The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Alright, welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pod of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived and the people's podcast is here. Let's go for a ride in the happy new year of 2016. Happy new year, new, 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 new year. Happy new year, baby, baby, baby. Alright, it's a big, big week. I got William Shatner is returning to Talk is Jericho, the legendary William Shatner. And we're also going to talk about the return of some would say the legendary me that's right i am back on raw i am back in the wwe and it ain't just for a week and ain't just for two weeks it's going to be a ride i'm going to tell you the whole story about how that happened we're going to talk to him shatner but first i want to thank all you guys for subscribing to talk is jericho on itunes thanks for those of you who have left five star ratings and great comments if you haven't done that yet please 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 do. Uh, that will help talk as Jericho out in a big, big way. Show us some love. Show iTunes some love. Show them stars some love. Pick one, two, three, four, five. Talk as Jericho five. Talk as Jericho five. It's a win win, people. So get to iTunes. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us five stars and some comments. We love both. All right, like I said, the return of acting legend, show business icon, pop culture phenomenon. I should be writing his press releases. William Shatner is back. And we're talking about his new documentary, The Ride, where he literally rode a motorcycle from Chicago to Los Angeles in eight days. And he's like 84 years old, by the way. They filmed the whole journey and every adventure uh, along the way. And Bill shares some great stories from The Ride. He also shares some amazing memories of his longtime friend, Leonard Nimoy, who passed away last year. Bill speaks pretty candidly about their special friendship. Great conversation coming up with Bill. And yeah, I'm allowed to call him Bill. We even discussed that as well. And we're going to discuss uh, the big return Monday night. Uh, New Day standing in the ring, middle of Raw, doing a countdown to uh, a present that they're going to give the fans. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. The 5 then switches to the squid squonk, squid squonk, squid squonk, leads to zero. Bomb goes off, break the walls down. Out comes Jericho, and we are back to the races. Now, I love so many things about the wrestling business, and I love all of you fans, but man, some of you complain a lot, which is my favorite part. It's like, oh, Jericho is re-re-re-re-returning. How many surprise returns is Jericho going to make? 
as many as I want, baby, because I still love doing it. And I still have fun doing it. And I don't care who you are. When the countdown clock comes on, when you don't expect it, it always gets a reaction. And that's what happened last night. And it's so fun to come out every time. A uh, very creative way to do that with the, the 10 count uh, going back to, to zero. I love that idea, switching from New Day over to me. And also as well, just having a little repartee with them. Um, great new new team, great combination. And the thing is, too, it's funny because, like, you know, like I said, some some hate is going to hate Jericho with some terrible comedy. Why? Because I started a Rudy Tooty Booty chant. What you mean? That's not uh, that's not if you smell what the rock is cooking level of uh, of comedy. The thing is, it works. It's fun because it's the new day out there. Their whole gimmick is based around being goofy. And I knew that I could get people to chant Rudy Tootie Booty. So if you weren't there and didn't like it, tough luck because the people in San Antonio loved it. Yes, I called them Trap Queens. Yes, I called them Green Day, which some people went, oh, you said the wrong name, Green Day. Hello. Go back to see Chris Jericho's uh, previous promos where I mispronounced people's names. I thought Green Day was perfect. And also as well, another thing that a lot of people didn't pick out is I... um basically transcribed my very first promo the debut in 1999 and kept it very much the same and re uh reapplied that to what's going on right now so um it was it was a blast it was really cool to come out there uh, i love hiding on the bus so that no one knows i'm there although it's a pretty funny story i was told that this was going to be a big surprise which it was up until a certain point when somehow it leaked out online but then even better, they have a run sheet in the back that says all the matches. You know, uh, Heath Slater versus Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens versus Adrian Neville. Uh, New Day promo interrupted by Jericho. And that's posted everywhere backstage. And I'm like, wasn't this supposed to be a surprise? And even more so, since it wasn't a surprise, why was I hiding in a bus in the parking lot for like the last three hours by myself? <laughs> right like the biggest nerd ever like you'd think that or like the biggest snob ever you think that uh i'm sure a lot of people are like where's jericho boy is he ever being a snob so um anyways i thought uh it was it was a great return and it is funny because i've had quite a few returns surprise returns surprise entrances starting with the first one in 1999 that was a surprise then when i came back in 2007 with the uh torchbearer that was a surprise. That was probably my least favorite one. I didn't like that. Didn't get much of a reaction either in Miami. Then uh, returned again in 2012 with the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. Um, where I came out and then led to the CM Punk feud. And then there was the surprise return at the Royal Rumble in 2013. And there was a surprise return with the Miz and the Wyatt family, uh, whatever that was, 14 maybe. And then there was the surprise uh, partner in the uh, six-man with Dean Ambrose and uh, Roman Reigns against the Wyatts, and then this one. So it's been seven returns to the WWE. And my favorite, I think, was the 2013 Royal Rumble where nobody, and I don't care who you are, nobody knew I was going to be there. I don't know what happened. I was flying in from LA actually, and my flight was delayed. So when I landed, it was already 4.30, and the building was open by then because pay-per-views start at 7.30. So the actual opening matches were going on. So I made it over to the uh, to the arena, hid in the bus, and this time my name wasn't on the run sheet, and then I had to, had to go to the Royal Rumble meeting with all the guys, and I thought for sure one of these guys will say something. Nobody did. And when I came out, Dolph Ziggler was first. I came out second. It was 
maybe the biggest reaction I've ever got. And one of the reasons for that is people were legitimately surprised, which I thought was amazing. Such a cool moment. Uh, the first one with The Rock was great. Torchbearer one, okay. Um, I don't remember much about the, the the end of the world as we know it. I don't know if that one was was very cool. I thought the one with Miz and Bray Wyatt was one of my favorites. And I think the one last night was a blast too. Very, very creative. And anytime you can create a catchphrase of Rudy, Tootie, Booty, if that's bad humor and you didn't laugh, oh, I'm sorry. Go watch some uh, Kierkegaard or something like that. Go watch some Peter Sellers movies or something because I thought it was funny and it was a catchphrase and it was chanted throughout the show and they'll probably make a damn t-shirt of it. And uh, am I exactly sure what a trap queen is? No, but I like the way it sounds and uh, I thought it was funny. So I said it. So there you go. The big return of Chris Jericho on Raw. And like I said, this is not just a one-time thing. I am back, baby. I'm back for the attack, like Dawkins always said. And I'm in the Royal Rumble which is now for the World Heavyweight Championship. So maybe I'll become a seven-time world champion. And I will say this. It's going to be a long, wild ride. I've got a lot of plans, a lot of things that's going on. So, um, you know, like I said, that's that's the show. That's, that's Raw. What happens on Raw stays on Raw. And what happens on Talk is Jericho stays on Talk is Jericho. Nothing's going to change here. You know, um, still going to be bringing you the best guests and traveling the globe to bring you uh, guests talking about things that they don't usually get a chance to talk about. So that's the goal. And if you're a rock and roll fan and a wrestling fan, what a day it was that Guns N' Roses announced their reunion, although we still don't know the exact lineup of the reunion, but we know that Slash is involved, Talk is Jericho alumni. We know that Duff is involved, Talk is Jericho alumni. We know Axel's involved, hopefully future Talk is Jericho alumni. And uh, if you were, like I said, if you're a rock and roll fan, Guns N' Roses announces there a reunion and Jericho returns to the WWE. So if you're a rock and wrestling guy like I am, which I think a lot of you are, um, hang on. It's going to be a hell of a ride. It's like that Kiss song. If you're ready for a wild ride, say yeah, 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 yeah. We got lots of stuff coming up this year. It's going to be a big year and we're kicking it off with uh, William Shatner. Uh, but before we talk a little bit more about Will, I just want to say congratulations to Cheeseburger. What a week he had. He did talk as Jericho. And when he was talking about talk as Jericho, he mentioned one of his big goals was to wrestle in Japan. And he got a chance. He was in the New Japan Royal Rumble in the Tokyo Dome uh, on January 4th. So good news for Cheeseburger. Good news for Guns N' Roses. And good news for Jericho-holics worldwide. And also... For Shatner fans, fans of the Shat, we're going to kick it off with Bill, and I can call him Bill, you're going to find that out. But first, I want to thank all you guys for supporting this show and all the great Talk is Jericho sponsors, including Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga. Now, if you haven't downloaded the DDP Yoga Now app, you need to do it because this is the perfect time. The holidays are over. The uh, indulgence is over. The, the treats and the cookies and the pies and the cakes are over. And if you indulge a little too much, then let DDP Yoga and the DDP Yoga Now app get you back on track, baby. All right. I downloaded the DDP Yoga Now app. That's how I do my DDP Yoga workouts from these days. I do them right from the app on my phone. These unlock all the secrets, all the doors of DDP Yoga, and it's as easy as going on your device. Okay. You don't have to lug around the DVDs anymore. You don't have to lug around the little DVD attachment that I had for 
for my MacBook. I don't need to take that anymore because all of the uh, information, all the workouts on my phone, I get. I also get access to live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center. It's absolutely amazing. They put a lot of time and effort in this app. It's one of the best designed apps I've ever seen. Okay, you guys know. You know how much I believe in DDP Yoga, how much I do DDP Yoga. You know my DDP Yoga story and what Dallas did for me in my career. And that's why he's given you guys such a great deal on DDP Yoga. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. When you purchase DDP Yoga for yourself, get this, three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app. All right, that is a great deal. That's a good bargain for you. And like I said, it's an incredible app. You get access to so much more than just DDP Yoga workouts and you get all of those workouts. You also get recipes, access to cooking shows, tools to help you track your progress, and you can earn rewards throughout the app to redeem for some cool prizes and DDP Yoga merch. The more workouts you do, the more points you get, you use those points towards those prizes that we talked about. Where else can you get that? Who else puts this type of time and effort and design and money into something like DDP? That's what he's doing with this app, okay? And also, if it's motivation you need to get started, a little bit of an ass kick to get out of bed and get to work, then check out all the amazing inspirational videos that Dallas and his entire crew put together. You can see all these transformation video stories at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You won't believe what you're going to hear. You won't believe the success stories, okay? You need to get started on DDP Yoga today. It's one of the best decisions you can make for your health. I am telling you from experience, that's the truth. Take advantage of this special offer and you get the lowest price for DDP Yoga and three free months of access to the DDP Yoga Now app by going to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You are going to love it. I guarantee it. But don't just take my word for it. Read the reviews it's getting for both iOS and Android. And one last thing, all right? DDP told me himself, he told me, he called me up and told me personally, the resurrection of Jake the Snake is finally coming to video on demand on January 12th exclusively on iTunes and you need to see this documentary okay it's one of the uh, most emotional documentaries I've ever seen one of the most uplifting documentaries I've ever seen watching Jake transform his life reclaim his life and his career and repair the damage that he's done with his family some of it it's a remarkable story it's a very uh, it's a redemption like it says you don't have to be a wrestling fan to be interested or invested in Jake's journey to appreciate the turnaround he made you just gotta like good filmmaking and a good story and a good uh, redemption like I said it was his redemption song here and I ain't talking about Bob Marley I want you to pre-order the resurrection of jake the snake exclusively on itunes so you can be among the first to get it when it's released i'm going to get it it's going to release next tuesday january 12th i've seen the documentary a couple times i'm in it uh i'm actually really good in it i should win an an oscar maybe but actually i'm going to watch it again because it was that uh, it was that well done so all these things going on with ddp and once again don't miss out the exclusive ddp yoga offer at ddpyoga.com slash jericho you'll get the best price on ddp yoga plus three free months of the ddp yoga now app okay change your life change the way you uh, you live change the way you train get into the best shape of your life and get started today at ddpyoga.com slash jericho talk is jericho 
All right, so there's these commercials going on right now with the most interesting man in the world, the beer commercial. I think that's a lie. I think you, William Shatner, are the most interesting man in the world. Who said that? <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, oh, you're saying I'm that. saying Well, it. you're a very knowledgeable person. <laughs> yeah, well. You're a uh, recognized authority. If you say I'm the most interesting man in the world, you might not be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love coming. I came into your office, and you open the door, and the first thing you see is a big face of you. Shit, my dad says. <laughs> it just right. sets the tone for what's going right. on here. Right. But I mean, so many projects, and it, uh, it's funny, too, because everyone says Bill Shatner. So can I call you Bill now? Please, please. That's Since now we've actually, this is the yeah, second yeah, the time second you've time been on this talking. show. I know. So it's like Bobby De Niro, Bill Shatner. Yeah, I, I've never heard. I mean, they call him Bobby De Niro, but I don't. Yeah. You know, I did a movie with him. Uh-huh. Robert, I, I I should have called him Bobby. Well, that's what I mean. Is it rude? Like, is it, does it mean you're not in well, the know if you call him Robert and not Bobby? Yeah, well, I, I you know, for me, uh, if somebody says Bill, I answer to that because that's mm-hmm. really what I go by. But uh, a lot of people will say William, the formal, and I've sort of come to accept it, although all through my life it's been Bill. Mm-hmm. But that is well, whatever that's called, the dimin- diminutive of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah right. Uh, so it is, is Robert Bobby? You know, That's what I mean. I mean, do you say Bobby Kennedy, Bobby De Niro? Maybe if you're friends with him, you would. Right. So, you, right, because that means, hey, Bobby, I love you. Yeah. Right. Uh, the why sort of carries love to it. Well, and that's the thing too. But if someone comes up to you on the street uh, as a fan and calls you Bill, yeah, but is that what, a little bit pretentious? Well, a little bit. But what about Billy? That that. See, my mother would say Billy. Right. Is she the only one? Uh, my sisters and maybe a loved. A beloved person yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a beloving moment, Billy, kiss me, you know, uh-huh. Billy, hold me tight. <laughs> Billy, yes, <laughs> Billy, yes, Billy. I mean, but uh, Bill, kiss me, doesn't sound right, right? It's, it's or insane. William, get your hands off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you say when you're in trouble. Yeah, that's right, William. Or Mr. Shatner, <laughs> I wouldn't have expected that from you. <laughs> right. Mr. Shatner. I got that, too, with Christopher. Uh, my my mother used to call me that when when she got angry at me. Right, so she'd and say Christopher. Christopher, but mostly it was Chris. Chris, and the only person in the world who still calls me Christopher is my eighty two year old aunt, Auntie Joan. She still calls me Christopher. Well, all the but time. there's a nice loving formality, sure, to an eighty two year old only. But what about Chrissy? See, now that's bad. Bad in what way? Well, I mean, it's it's almost like they're punking you out if they say that. Hey, Chrissy. No, could, no, but I, but what about somebody? Somebody you love, and they come up to you, and I visualize a gentle hand on your cheek, mm-hmm. and the little finger just prying your mouth open ever so <laughs> and they say, "Chrissy, is that is that good? Well, is it, that yeah, bad? It, it is actually uh, it's an endearing thing, and there were some girls in high school that called me Chrissy." And they could get away with it. Pretty girls can call you whatever they want. Uh, hey, right? they, they, as long as they call you. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. As long as they call you. But, you know, we're talking about all, uh, you know, about our names and all this stuff. And I love, I love your energy and coming in here and seeing all the posters on the wall. There's so much stuff going on. And I came in and sat down as I was setting up. You're reading, you know, whatever scripts or they're reading. No, the lyri- lyrics to children's songs. Uh, you listen to some strange uh, zoo music. When well, I, 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 see, I've got an idea. I've got the concept, a magical concept for kid, a kid show. It's, I, uh, I, I was telling it to my nine-year-old, ten-year-old now. She just had a birthday, mm-hmm. grandchild. Mm-hmm. I said, I got an idea for a show, and I told her the idea. And she, because she's like her, 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 she's brilliant. She's a brilliant. Have you ever had a brilliant young child? Oh, I have. I have three right now. Brilliant. Where they they say things. How do you 
How do you, yes. a 10-year-old, know to, how to say that? Right. Where are these words coming from? Like, like she said, exa- no, it's not just the words. Yeah, the words I can understand. I was talking to her a year ago. She's nine. I said to her, uh, so, you know, what, the definition of life, I mean, what is alive? Uh, I said to her, that's really the question. That's the philosophical question. Mm. She says, yeah, I understand. I said, for example, I mean, I mean, what's alive? I, I, was, I had a lime drink. Uh, I was drinking it. With, and I said, look at this piece of lime in there. Is that alive? Mm-hmm. She looks in and she says, yes. I said, well, what's alive about it? She says, it's got a seed. Hmm. My jaw dropped. She <laughs> was nine years old and had the concept, had the total philosophical concept of what is life. So the same child a year later, I'm telling her my idea, this unique, I thought, wow, that's a really great children's show. And I said to her, here's the children's show, here's my idea. And she said, Papa, that's a great idea. This <laughs> 10-year-old to whom the show would be aimed at. Right. I fell down. That was as much of approval as I needed. It's the perfect demographic. The perfect approval, demographic, yeah. exactly. So I'm working right now on a children's show mm. that I've had a, a, a wonderful concept. And into my lap fell some music that would be perfect for it. And oh. I'm sort of listening to the words and the music by this really talented guy. And I'm going to do, I'm going to put together a show and try and sell a children's show that is magical. See, that's the perfect example of kind of walking into a conversation in the middle. I walk in, you're li- reading something, you're listening to music, and you're singing along. And it's like, I right. like going to the zoo. Yeah. And so coming in, it's like, well, is this what Bill's into? He likes this type of music. It sounds like you're a big fan of zoo music. No. But now hearing the I'm auditioning why, the songs right. and, and, and conceptualizing how this would work. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited by it because it's a really good idea. My 10-year-old grandchild <laughs> thinks it's a good idea. And I can't wait to get out there into the marketplace and say, I've got this great idea. And here's what I would do with it. Leaving myself open to people, creative people saying, well, yeah, but if you do that and add this to it wouldn't it? yeah mm-hmm. and and then you find the show getting better and better and that's the most exciting thing i do the creative process the of creative process a... of building something right. whether it's a a, a, a fence or a, mm-hmm. a, a, a show the collaborative process as well well yes that's exciting to say, get your idea and incorporate it into something i'm doing the original joy is coming up with the idea suddenly pop mm-hmm. like a balloon Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly fills, and here's the idea. Wow, I thought of that. And for a moment, you think, that's a great thought. I, I, I think that's a great show. And then, as I say, I, I audition it to <laughs> to the, this audience of one, and uh, I got approval. It's so amazing, too, just kind of going back to what you said about, about the 10-year-old, your grandchild, grandchild. How uh, cognitive children are at that young of an age. You know, my, my son has, has been obsessed with fish. Since How he old was, is he? He's, just turned, he's about to turn 12. Perfect. But since he was about two, he could name every fish, sharks, wow. whatever. So we were watching. How did he get that knowledge? I don't, I don't know. He, are you serious? He, uh, he used to watch, we used to watch um, uh, Nemo, Finding Nemo. Right. That was the first movie. Maybe it was the colors of the ocean, uh-huh. you know, the orange fish, the blue fish. Right, right. And there's the big sharks. Yeah. And they call them Bruce, which is from, you know, Bruce was the name of the shark in Jaws. Oh, right, right. His first word was Brucey, pointing at the Brucies. For goodness sake. Which sakes. was his way of saying shark. Right. Okay. 
So he's always had this real affinity for, for, for sharks and fish. And so we were watching something last year of this uh, Icelandic giant worm. There was footage of it. Uh, Coming out of the glaciers? That in I the glaciers, like, yeah, in the, in, the, in, the, in the river. Like they've been locked in there? All yes. And I was like, you know, and, and, and we're watching this. And we're saying, is this alive or is it a fishing net that's frozen? And we're watching this video and he goes, well, dad, you can tell that the current's moving fast. I said, how? He said, listen to the audio, the wind blowing against the microphone. <laughs> you know, you hear that sound? I never noticed it. He noticed it. He said, you can tell there's a real current flowing wow. here. It could. And he's now 11 or 12. He's, yeah. He was 11 at the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. He might have even been 10. Yeah. But he was pointing out that it could be uh, something frozen because but it's how? moving. How perceptive of him right. to recognize all the elements of what he was looking and listening to. And that brings to mind what I've just recently gone through that sharpened that very subject, that very topic in my mind. Mm-hmm. I recently drove a motorcycle right. from Chicago to Los Angeles. Great segue, by the way. That's well, awesome. I, no, it's but great. it works it's, yeah, because yeah, yeah. of this. Sure it does. I'm going to tell you why it okay. works. I got on this bike in Aurora, Illinois, 15 miles south of Chicago, and went for eight days along major thoroughfares of the United States to get to Los Angeles Mm -hmm. for 12 hours. While I was doing that, I was directing and obviously in a documentary that I'm calling The Ride. In addition to that, we were being shepherded logistically uh, knowledgeable people of the uh, American Legion. So we had what is, what is called the honor guard, motorcycle guys, vet, veterans, who ride at funerals and at, uh, at moments of celebration and, and of grief. They, they dispatch a special group of motorcyclists, mm-hmm. and they ride motorcycles everywhere. So this group was with me from Aurora to Los Angeles, tough Guys, one woman, tough woman, great people. And while we're driving, we stop off at American Legion Posts and raise money for their scholarship fund for the children of fallen soldiers, fallen heroes. Okay. So I'm doing three things. I'm riding, Mm -hmm. uh, 12 hours a day. I'm directing uh, a, a documentary, and I'm raising funds. All, all at once. And they, all at once. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes all, yeah, all at once, certainly individually. So what do you do when you're driving 12 hours a day on a motorcycle, which is essentially dangerous? Everything on the road is a potential killer, mm-hmm. never mind hazard. It'll take you out. It'll, if it doesn't take you out, it wrecks you so that you want to be taken out. Like it, it'll shove everything uh, in your body up into the helmet mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be wearing for protection, which is why I never wore a helmet, which is uh, – I got a lot of flack about that. Oh, you never wore a helmet the whole time? I didn't wear a helmet. Even into California, I didn't wear a helmet. And I wanted to get arrested <laughs> yeah. so I could get the lecture out that I don't care if Gary Busey shoved, shoved his brains into his helmet. All right, why should Gary Busey affect my life? <laughs> right. Okay. Because uh, he's crazy enough. And I, if I want to be crazy as Gary Busey, I'm not being allowed to because of Gary Busey. Because of Barry Busey's craziness, I can't be crazy. Yeah. Okay? Uh, what is the irony there? Yeah. So, so I'm driving. You know, what do you do when you're driving along 12 hours from early morning to late at night 
while part of your mind is occupied avoiding these hazards of trucks and other cars and the stories you hear about people cutting in on you, what do you do? So half your mind is occupied with survival. It must be like a guy, like those old sailing ships where the guy was on watch for 12 hours. Right, yeah. He'd be up in the, up in the mast, crow's nest, looking. He's looking. Yeah. At some point in time, he's got to be drifting off. Yeah. You know, he doesn't see the white uh, 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 whale coming at him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he, he doesn't, excuse me, sir, I think there's something white coming at us. Huh? He doesn't see it because he's half dreaming. Mm-hmm. He's looking, but he's dreaming. And that's what you do on a motorcycle. After hour upon hour, your brain is working on several levels. Certainly two of them are taking care of your hazardous pay there so you avoid the trucks or be aware of the trucks coming to pass you. But the other half is totally aware of the surrounding environment. Mm. You're totally aware of the mountains and the air and the smell and the feel and the sound. You're After hour upon hour of your brain being alert to the potential of being killed, you're also on the level of the joy it is to be alive. And in this air and in the sand, and the, uh, uh, a pig truck goes by and you smell the acrid smell of the, of the pigs and then the cut grass. And, the, and you're totally aware of everything. Your, your awareness of being in the moment and the joy of life because you're so close to death is what I mean by what your son was doing by listening to the sound. Because he's 11 and, and he has, isn't inured to all the sounds around us, that each sound suggests something new and different. That's what the artist has to do, to be your 11-year-old, 12-year-old mm-hmm. son, to be aware of life and not get so, so jaded, about, so jaded it, right? about the smell of popcorn. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got to, if, even if it's a conscious effort, hmm, the smell of that corn is so good, to be aware of those things. Your son was aware because of his youth. This motorcycle trip sharpened my awareness in those eight days. I'm still left with the idea of everything. I'm looking at this microphone. I'm looking at your face. I'm just totally aware. The, the basic joy of life. The joy of life, which no matter what your circumstances are, if you're locked in a, in a cell or if you're riding a motorcycle in the desert, which I was, to be open to what life is about. Had you done a lot of motorcycle before, motorcycling before? Yeah, I've got I've got motorcycles. I did. I used to race motorcycles in the uh, in the desert. I did desert bikes. I'd go up in the desert, hill climb. I would doing all that kind of stuff. Not on the road. I wouldn't go on the road. Mm-hmm. Then they started posting where you couldn't go in building. This is years ago in the in the desert, so you couldn't go in the desert. Ride your bike, just scream off into the desert with a group of guys, mm-hmm. which is what I used to do all every weekend. So, yeah, so I rode a lot of bikes. Uh, and there came a time when a guy said, I'd like to build you a bike. And I had a hand in what the bike was going to be built like. And that became this bike that we're calling Rivet, R-I-V-E-T, R-I-V like Victor, E-T. So rivetmotors.com will uh, give you a sense of what I'm talking about, this unique motorcycle that we designed to drive from Aurora, from Chicago to Los Angeles. Because riding a motorcycle is very difficult for long periods of time. Even just holding your arms up on the handlebars. And I, I, my shoulders still haven't recovered. My mm-hmm. shoulders are sore. Uh, my hands are were totally blackened. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, calloused? Uh, not enough time to get calloused, but blackened by the sun. My face in which I put zinc oxide. So I'm now, I'm in a, I'm on film for what I hope will be an hour and a half show, mm-hmm. film. And most of the time, I'm in white face zinc oxide because the burn that I got the first two days was sufficient to swell my ears and give wow. me real bad condition and skin. I burnt my skin for the first time in a long time because the ordinary uh, suntan lotion that I had on uh, wasn't sufficient in 12 hours to to uh, to uh, uh, defend against the sun on my face. I started wearing zinc oxide, so I'm on camera a lot <laughs> in whiteface. It's like I should be doing mime. <laughs> right now, I mean, filming a documentary like this, obviously, you don't really know what you're getting into. Well, that was the problem. Yeah, so I was trying to sell it. <laughs> right, right. So uh, before leaving, so I went to a sports network and they said, "Well, what's the show about?" So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to film whatever happens. Well, we got to know what the show's about. So that was a sports show. Then I went to the travel channel. What's a, I don't know. Is it about travel? Yeah, it's about travel. You know, what do you want it to be? I'll make it about, I don't know what the show is about, right. but what I'll do is I'll film it. Well, what happened was so intense. So many incredible things happened on what we're calling The Ride. Mm-hmm. And it, we're editing it right now. I just finished a conversation before you came in about the edit of a sizzle reel. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to my, my uh, 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 editor, now listen, if I sell it as a travel thing, we've got to have a sizzle as a travel. <laughs> yeah. If I sell it as a motorcycle show, we've got to have a motor. You know, I've got to have a, I've got to be careful orient it towards more than one one source because I don't know where I'm going to sell it. But I've got a documentary filled with emotion and 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 human tragedy and and I realize as I finish the show, as I finish the the ride, as I finish the motorcycle trip, I realize the ride is about the hopes and dreams of everybody that was there. The hopes and dreams of the American Legion to raise scholarship funds. The hopes and dreams of this company we're calling Rivet Motors to sell motorcycles. My hopes and dreams that this documentary will be as good as I think. I mean, (laughs) there's so much riding on the ride. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that before I started it. Right. Did you, were you stopping along the way to the roadside diners? Oh, we had to gas up every 150 miles. I ran out of gas. I was depending on the on the leader. There was a guy who was who uh, one of the American Legion guys. But I, my wife was riding on the back, and I had a trike, uh, so there was more resistance, moving resistance on a trike, three wheels, and my wife's uh, as 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 uh, lithe and slim as she is, her added weight <laughs> made more drag. So I was consuming gasoline. At a higher rate than the the other the bikes, the gang, yeah. so when and nobody took that into account, and the by the second or third day, we're a hundred miles from a gasoline station, which is fine for everybody. They would make it. You know, we're getting twenty, thirty miles to the gallon, a couple of gallons left, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or uh, whatever the figures yeah, worked yeah. out. And all of a sudden, but 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 in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I die. That's what That's, you do. Right. <laughs> makes for good TV. It, it was incredible. Who runs out of gas in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> so what did you call? Like, well, no. we had. To, uh, so there were three guys in front of me. They, they didn't know. They went on. Idiots. And, and the guys behind me all stopped. What are we going to do? Well, there, 
there's no off ramp because there's nothing to go yeah. to get off for. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Like in Kansas and <laughs> and 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 and, uh, and, and uh, Arizona, there's nothing there. The desert and there's just fields. desert. There's no point in getting off yeah. because you get off anywhere. It's the same thing. There's no water and it's dirty. Right. <laughs> so what did you do? <laughs> they had to go, and it just turned out, my luck being what it is, that. Two, three miles down the road, there was a turnoff. We were on our way to the Whiteman Air Force Base, uh, which had the B-1 bomber, which we thought would make a great picture, and it does turn out to be. Go to rivetmotors.com, and you'll see what I'm talking about. There's a picture of the motorcycle, which is exotic, looks like the Batmobile, up against the B-1 bomber at Whiteman Air Force Base. So that was about three miles down the road. So I got footage of me. <laughs> coming to a stop, and it didn't last too long because there was a gasoline station. In the middle of nowhere, there was a gasoline station that we were able to fill up on. I was driving from Tampa to Miami for Russell. Come here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Go through that story. Tampa to Miami. Oh, Tampa to Miami. Yes, you That's a great ride. Down one. Yeah, but you're driving across Alligator Alley. Oh, I know it. You got across yeah, the Yeah, 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 of course. Same concept. And I'm driving for Russell Mania, which is the big show. As I'm driving, I said, well, I'll just get gas. What, what were you on? Uh, uh, what was I driving? Oh, what's the highway? It's right before. No, well, uh, I understand the uh, oh. I, I understand the highway. What bike were you on? Oh, no, I was just in my car. Oh. I have Mustang Shelby. Oh, okay, Mustang Shelby. So I was That's just driving good. down there, yeah. and I thought, well, I'll just get gas. 500 at horsepower. The next, is, beautiful. Yeah. I'll catch gas at the next station. Because right. I'm really bad that way. I'm notorious for running out of gas. Because I think there's a little bit of thrill for me to like, oh, I can make it to the next I station. I know. I do that all the time. So I run out of gas right in the middle of Alligator Alley. Oh, there's my God. That around. is dangerous. Very dangerous. Right. Because it's what's two lane. Two lanes. And, and and cars are coming both ways yes. at 100 miles an hour because the right. cops may be around, but I don't know where they are. And also, just as the extra added bonus, there's steel fences up on the edge that's of the That's right. Road. You can't keep... go. It's not called Alligator Alley for <laughs> yeah, no that's reason. That's a catchy name. Right, right. So well, I... no. Yeah. It's catchy. That, <laughs> and, and they'll catch anything <laughs> you launch right. off that thing. They'll catch you in your jaws. Right, exactly. Right. So I call AAA or whatever I did, call the net gas station. They send a guy. Hour later, he shows What did it cost you? Um, actually, well, here's what happens. The guy shows up and he looks at me, he goes, are you Chris Jericho? And I'm like, yes, I am. He goes, I'm going to WrestleMania. I said, so am I. I'm trying to. So he took me back and got me the gas, but then he had. So he was going to see you wrestle. (laughs) Yes. You were, you were on your way. I was on my way. Big stadium show. Right. Championship match. Oh my God. Run out of gas. Oh my God. He, you know, whatever his job is, 10 bucks an hour. Right. Right. Working hard for his family pulls over and is like. I got tickets to see you tomorrow. Oh, hysterical. So, yeah, so it's just like you just, it, it puts you in your place when, you know, Mr. Big Star runs out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're also very much into horseback riding as well. Very much. Is there similarities between riding a horse and riding a, a, a motorcycle? There is. In terms of balance, there is. You're riding a bike. Do you, do you ride bikes? Do you know anything? I about? never have. I do. We do have a horse, though. I have a horse. Well... The center of balance in a horse and a motorcycle, I think, is is the same. It's your anus 
You know, if you <laughs> if you need a post up your anus in a saddle, you have a, a, a 360-degree turn there. So you can go to the right, the left, forward, and backward, but you shouldn't be shifting your weight particularly. You should be shifting that point of balance, which could be a, whatever a centimeter is, you know, mm-hmm. a millimeter. The horses will react on on a thought. You think it's a thought, but some inadvertent muscle uh, uh, sends a signal to the horse, and when you think you weren't doing anything, the horse is reacting to a cue that you were going to give a moment later. Mm. So in the discipline I'm in, which is raining, you think you're going to ask for a stop, and the horse already knows you're going to ask for a stop by some... Instinct? i, I got to believe it's some muscle in your body that's... Mm. That's uh, it pre- You're saying they're so attuned to you being on top of them, they can feel your muscle and they're... They're so tuned into you a well-trained horse and a horse that you've ridden. They're so tuned into you that before you can cue the horse, your body's already given off the nonverbal language of I'm going to stop. Hmm. I mean, we change leads. Uh, uh, one of the discipline, one of the parts of the competition is you got to change right lead, left lead, left lead, right lead. you got to change leads. Mm-hmm. It's a specific maneuver made into a... a uh, a pattern that varies. They, they give you the there's twelve patterns. So each one of them requires the same things to do. They're just okay, in right. different order. Right. So every pattern needs a change of leads. That horse knows when you're going to change leads two strides before you're going to change leads. You can say, "I'm going to sit right in the center of the saddle." I'm not going to think change of leads. I'm going to ask him to change, but I'm not going to think it at all. And that horse is already preparing hmm. for a change of leads. There is something in the center of your body, right in the very core center of your body, that you need to be in balance for, for a horse and a motorcycle. If you've got that balance, you're an expert. You're an expert motorcyclist, and you're an expert uh, uh, horseman, because that balance that peg in your anus is where you're guiding everything from from there from that center point i'm not going to say all sports but i'll say most sports work from whether it's a, a, a hand and ball sport like tennis or a sport like sailing or a skiing especially skiing mm-hmm. your center that pelvic balance where you're where you're totally in balance it's got to be the same with wrestling when you're doing a a a a a, a, a twist a somersault when you will make you will be effortless in your somersault if you've got that balance in the center of your mm. body if you have misstepped it becomes an effort to complete the bounce so you don't land on on, on your head. And you never land properly you, either. You'll never land yeah. properly unless you're totally in balance. Mm-hmm. Now, you can compensate because because the real world is uh, somebody's reaching for your foot and you've got to, <laughs> you know, so right. you're making adjustments. They go, But the real acrobat who is not being shoved into a post at his best makes a perfect symmetrical circle in the air and lands absolutely perfectly on the balls of his feet. Mm-hmm. When they do that, they get a 10. Well, and that's it, it, like you're saying too, like skating, surfing, Everything. all of that stuff. Think of surfing. Mm-hmm. You have to be in such balance. Your legs have to be compensating for the movement of the wave while your upper body 
is totally in balance. Right. Which is the same as snowboarding as well. Same concept. Name a sport that requires balance. That's a great point. Yeah. You know, even football, you know, not getting tackled. No, Baseball, absolutely. when you're swinging the bat at uh, the ball. Throw, throw the ball. Yeah. How, how much in balance do you need to be to have your, the core of your body totally under control in balance? You raise a leg, you're in balance. You thrust forward, that you're in balance. Your arm comes around in a symmetrical circle so you're not harming your shoulder, mm-hmm. and you release the ball just to the exact moment as your golf swing is the moment right, your, same thing. Your, 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 your club hits the ball, your torso should be exactly where it should be. Otherwise, you're going to not go as far. It's going to twist one way or another. Balance and the knowledge of balance is the key to every sport. I'm going to go that far to say. Uh, uh, and and especially in horses and in motorcycles. Mm-hmm. You set the line of a curve. That's why riding a motorcycle hour after hour is so dangerous. When you hit a curve, you got your bike in in a line for the curve. It's very hard, almost impossible, almost too difficult to change the line of that curve. You set that curve, you can take it in or out a little bit if you're very conscious. But if you're coming around at speed and you set that curved line and and you need to vary it because there's an obstacle that you didn't see. You're you're out of shape. You're either going to crash or you're going to go off the road or you're going. You're in deep trouble hmm. if the line is interfered with. And if you're half asleep and you wake up in the middle of a curve and you didn't know you were, you know, you were doing yeah, it by yeah. intuition, like you do in a car. You suddenly in the middle of a turn, you think, "Oh my God, I almost fell asleep." Yeah, you can't do that on a bike. You're dead. That's how alert you have to be on a motorcycle as against a car and on a horse. You are always mastering the horse and the bike. You're always totally in the moment. If you're sleepy, if you're thinking about your laundry list, you're half dead. How do you do that for 12 hours? That's the trick. <laughs> That's, the That's exactly right. Let me ask you a question. You're talking about horses and how they have this kind of the instinct that we talked about of knowing. If you've had a horse for a long time, do you think there's a connection between human and horse? Horses are funny. Horses are herd animals. Their total being is to belong. So in belonging, whether it's another horse or whether it's a human being, they need that sense of being with a herd. A horse alone is like a dog alone, pack animal, like a bird in a cage alone. They go crazy. They go insane. Dogs go insane. Horses go insane. They're all their their millions of years of of uh, progression of uh, evolution. evolution has been designed to be amongst a large group. So when the when the when the predator comes, the predator gets somebody, but it's not going to be me because I'm going to be amongst mm-hmm. a thousand of the others and run in a herd. And 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 my saving my 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 being safe is due to the fact that I belong to a herd. Mm-hmm. All herd animals are the same. And the same destructive uh, uh, psychology applies to whether it's a, an orca in, a, in a deep, as deep a pool as you want. If it doesn't have its family with it, orcas are designed for family behavior, for linking up with other orcas. And if it doesn't have that, they go insane in the same way an individual, a human being, who must have mm. other stimuli 
being in a cell, in, in, in being in solitary confinement, the reason solitary confinement is so productive about punishing somebody because it drives them crazy and sometimes they recover when they come out and sometimes people who've been alone for a long time, like in Russian jails and things like that, are insane for the rest of their life. Mm. They may look like they've recovered, but there is an insanity there that came from the most frightening thing that can happen to a herd animal or a family animal, which is being alone. Mm. So the the horse wants to pack up with you because you generally, most people don't have two horses in the field or seven. So they pack up with you. So yes, they want to be with you. But no, they want to please you to stop when you ask them to stop because the pressure on the rein is such that if they stop, the pressure goes away, which is how you train a horse. Mm-hmm. Pressure on the rein, they stop, you release the pressure. Oh, they say, if I stop, I get away from this irritation in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's how they react to you. They're not saying, oh, you want me to stop, I love you and I'll stop. <sighs> They're reacting to the rain. And the more you do it and the gentler you get, the less signal you have to give them. So at one point, it's hardly, it's back to the peg in your anus. <laughs> uh, you lean back the slightest bit and that horse knows to stop. Hmm. So it's not like a, a like a dog would recognize you when you come home and lick your face. Do you, does horses horse, recognize you. They recognize you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, same idea? Yeah, but not in the same emotional way that uh, a dog does. But a horse recognizes you and be gl- can be glad to see you mm-hmm. and, and makes its its happiness known by the by the talk they they give you they give you right yeah. so you're talking about the ride and making this documentary and when you film for eight days straight how do you start whittling that away to start making a documentary that's the every film is made in the editing room mm-hmm. but particularly documentaries so what you do in a documentary because you don't know what the story is right if i were doing a story about us and I was filming us. I'd be asking you questions the way you're asking me. We'd go for a walk. We'd try and cross the traffic. And uh, and somebody might uh, sound a horn and say, you idiot. And you might react to that. And I'm filming you. And then I, I talk about your reaction, why you reacted that way. And what about you <laughs> makes you angry. And I get to delve into you. But I don't know what I'm delving into until I delve into it. So by the end of time I've finished filming you, or in this case the ride, I know many of the main elements that are in the ride, but until I edit it together, do I know how they play with each other? For example, we went in Arizona. I was asked by the American Legion if I would go to a bonfire that they were having out in the woods, American Legion Post in Arizona. I thought, oh, geez, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'll get some war stories. I don't, it's not about a war story. This is not, but. I'll go because these veterans by this time had become my friends and they wanted me to go out to, uh, to this bonfire the on function a Saturday. Or whatever, function, yeah. exactly. I go out there. Turns out they were, this was the Navajo Nation. These were the veterans from, the, from Arizona, from Nav, the Navajo Nation. They were on the reservation. And I've always, I've done a lot of studying about Native Americans, and especially the Navajo, and especially, uh, they weren't in on the, I don't believe they were in on the Trail of Tears, but 
when the American government pushed everybody into Oklahoma. Right. But in pushing all the Native Americans into Oklahoma, they had to spread out, and they spread out into Arizona and New Mexico and all, where the Navajos were. So, it, like, a flood would be pushed back. The number of people that went into Oklahoma pushed back into people who were in Arizona. So the Trail of Tears and the Oklahoma experience for the Native Americans also affected the Navajos. So that's my, my, my way of saying I've studied a little about the Navajos. Mm-hmm. And I was also aware of the Navajo Nation. I think they called it the Cloud Talk, where Navajos were talking to each other over the radio when sending uh, code to American fighting men in World War II. That's right, yeah. They couldn't break the Navajo code. They broke every other code the Germans did, couldn't figure out, the Japanese and the Germans, what the Navajos were talking about. So there was a Navajo talking Navajo on one end and the other guy listening and interpreting. And that was the code for the U.S. military. That was the code for the U.S. military Wow. in many instances. Mm. So I'm now sitting with a Navajo guy (laughs) whose grandfather was one of the Navajo cloud talkers, whose mother... Saved him, this particular individual, he claims, from going to Vietnam. He had joined the Marines. But his mother was making magic so that he wouldn't go <laughs> overseas. And his, uh, three times he was, his unit was sent overseas to Vietnam. He didn't go, and he never figured out why. And the only reason he could think of was his mother was making magic with a magic man. And I said, well, do you have any of your mother's magic? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, well, will you say a prayer of safety for us as we continue our ride. So now in the evening, in the woods of Arizona, along, among the pine trees up at, uh, <laughs> up at, uh, up at uh, uh, not Albuquerque, but uh, Tucson uh, the next or... one. Uh, well, it's Tucson, but it's um, uh, the next one up. Um, uh, I'll think of it in a second. And, Santa Fe? No. Uh, uh, in, El- in New Mexico. Somewhere. In New Mexico, yeah. in the north northern part of New Mexico uh, or Arizona and and the smoke of the bonfires wafting past him and he's saying softly in Navajo a magical prayer to keep us safe for the rest of our journey I've got it on film (laughs) it is so magical how did I know I was going to get that how do I know that I'm not going to play that 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 lovely chanting over footage of us driving through the sunset and the sunrise and into the night and along the rideway, huge trucks passing, and this chanting going on. Imagine three minutes of motorcycle footage and this wonderful man <laughs> chanting a prayer of, and we know, we the audience know it's over safety, and we watch dangerous things come by, and they don't harm. What a sequence. <laughs> right. oh, who could have imagined that yeah. until it happened? Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about, the ride. Had you not gone to that had, thing? Had I not gone yeah. to that thing and said, oh, okay, and then found these magical guys, and another guy, another Navajo man speaking English. They, they all spoke English, of course, and Navajo. This young man, young, he was... 25, 30, a vet of Afghanistan or whatever. He said, well, there is a magic ceremony, there's a a religious ceremony that we have that we don't do to non-Navajo people. And I suppose I could. I said, please, I want to use whatever, because 
he was going to do a magical story. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. So after the prayer was done and after we ate some hamburgers and stuff like that, and it's getting darker now, this young man begins to talk. And he tells us the Navajo creation story coming out of the earth mm-hmm. with the insects, totally whole, the great you know whoever the, yeah. the it was a, yeah. it's a the beautiful great the great the great the great, yeah. the great spirit yeah it's a beautiful creation story every bit as beautiful as in the beginning there was a void and a, what the bible tells us is the beginning the navajos have uh, uh every tribe has their own crea- every people has their own creation story whether it started with the flood or not they have everybody has their own creation how this all started mm-hmm. it has basically the same out of the beginning there was nothing and then something began yeah. it's not unlike the the bible the, genesis well or or what science is saying the oh sure the big bang, the big bang. Yeah. i mean it's all there was nothing then there was nothing <laughs> yeah. uh, and he starts to talk and he tells us this beautiful story well what a beautiful story wouldn't you like to hear over the credits of the movie this story of creation by the Navajo. <laughs> and instead of music, this guy is telling this religious, they they recreate the story in religious ceremonies, like we would have a passage from the Bible, like, like a priest might read from the opening chapter of the Bible to teach us whatever, that they, this man, this tribe, this aspect of the tribe gave us this gift of something they don't do ordinarily into my film. I mean, how can you not use that? And how magical that will be to be used somewhere. Is it is it more, uh, do you, uh, not challenge, is it more exciting to be making this movie knowing that you don't have a buyer yet? How do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. Because 20 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do it. No, now. I've been given the ability, uh, 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 by that I mean, I've sold. I've made other documentaries and sold them. Right, and I'm getting prizes, and I'm I'm a good documentary maker, and it's by doing it I've gotten better at it, and and this has got more promise than anything I've made, and I've got one out there called Chaos on the Bridge, which is for sale right now, which is the best thing I've ever done. This could supersede uh, Chaos as a as a work of art because I see the raw material, the paints are all mm-hmm. there. I've got bright reds and deep blues. I, I know I'm going to create something wonderful. How wonderful, I don't know yet. But I can, I've, as you see, I've got pictures in my mind of where it's all going to go. So I know how I wanted to, to edit it. And, 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 uh, and so I'm restricted. I'm about to do a show called <clears throat> Better Late Than Never. I'm about to go to Asia this coming Sunday with Terry Bradshaw, George Foreman, Henry Winkler and myself <laughs> going great. on a trip to Asia for NBC. They're filming it with lots of big NBC sh- uh, money, and it'll be on the, in the winter. Six shows, six hours, called Better Late Than Never, and we're stumbling around Asia <laughs> doing weird things. It's okay, same concept though, just going as a documentary. Just going as a happens. documentary, but it, but since everybody there is fairly amusing, we'll be ad libbing our way through. Through stuff like this. That is incredible. All right, so it's incredible. But part of my contract is I can't do another uh, uh, show related to travel and me. Gotcha. So I'm now 
got all this footage of me traveling. And they're saying, sorry, man, that's a, that's a traveling show. And until this new show uh, either makes it or doesn't, if it doesn't make it, then I don't have a problem. But if it makes it, I'm stuck with, is this a traveling show? Or is this a show about a personal journal? <laughs> yeah. Or is this a motorcycle show? <laughs> or is it a Navajo history <laughs> show? It's a Navajo history show, <laughs> exactly. Right, right. So I have to characterize what I'm making depending on what, where I can sell it. And where I can, I don't know where I can sell it. So <laughs> I'm in between a lot of, it's exciting but unnerving because we're spending a lot of money on it. Uh -huh. I shot three cameras, traveled the whole eight days, and GoPros every, everywhere, mm -hmm. including that anus point. <laughs> GoPro up the ass. Right. <laughs> it amazes me. Like I love, like I said, the energy that you have of, of you're going to go travel across Asia yeah. with 470s icons, yeah, which right, is amazing. Right, right. Do, you, do you know those other three no, guys? No, Terry Bradshaw, I caught a pass from him once. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> That's my only link. The, well, uh, from about... Terry to me on a football, uh, 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 I love that. Uh, Henry Winkler passed by these windows once, and I invited him <laughs> in, and we had a, a, a neat conversation. George Foreman, I don't know at all, mm -hmm. but I've admired him. George Foreman apparently said, uh, and i got to get him to talk about it, uh, when he fought uh, uh, Ali, he said, "I was just and I'm uh, and I'm making these motions in front of a microphone of girls f fighting, like tapping, <laughs> like clawing." Yeah, yeah. yeah so he yeah. said, "All I could think of was I was fighting like a girl in the middle of this great <laughs> heavyweight fight." <laughs> he, exactly. He was so scared. He said, "I was so frightened that I was making motions." like a girl <laughs> of course it didn't look like that yeah but, exactly uh, that's what it felt like to him that's what he felt that was so uh, that that to me tells you what kind of a guy he is yeah you know uh, and uh, so i feel i know them and obviously i will get to know them better in the month that i'm with them when this gets pitched you i remember you told me last time you said my my, my mantra in showbiz has been don't ever don't ever turn anything down well the, don't turn anything down that your nine-year-old wouldn't look at. <laughs> but, I mean, when you hear a concept of better late than never, are you, are you hearing this? Well, I, they say, strange. all right, so the first thing they say is that we're going to go to uh, uh, to Asia. I've never been. I've never been to Tokyo. Oh, really? Yeah. Never? No, I've never That's been. That's incredible. Further, the furthest, uh, I, well, I've, I've, I've been several tours to Australia, but Hawaii has been as far east, uh, west as I've been essentially. Then last winter, I went to Tahiti. So that made it a few more miles. But I've never been to uh, Asia. That blows my mind with the amount of pop culture influence in, in, in Japan and I know, science fiction I know. and everything. And it blows my mind. Hmm. And it's going to be rectified uh, right. in, in, in several days. Um, so I'm going to do something that I, I've, I've really wanted to do. But I travel so much, as you do, mm -hmm. that the idea of traveling is an anathema to me. I just, I don't want to go anywhere. What was that word you just used? Anathema? That's a good one. That's a good one. Anathema, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's ugly. It's, mm. it's, I don't want to hear about it. Okay. It's, uh, I don't want to, somebody say, we want you to travel for a month, because I don't want to go anywhere. With right. It. I just came back from three days of traveling. Uh, strange beds, airplanes that didn't go, uh, anxiety, tension, people coming up to me. I don't, don't bother me. I'm tired. I haven't slept in two days. <laughs> yeah. You know, can I take a, a selfie with no. you? No, you can't. That's, forgive me, but I've had a bad day. You know, you don't want to piss anybody off. And so I don't want to travel. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I've never been there. And these are four interesting people. So the first thing, they said, well, you can't take your wife. I said, well, that's a deal breaker. My wife's got to come with me. 
Turns out everybody's bringing their wife. Okay. So the wives are coming, and they're going to have their own agenda. And then uh, the four of us will be doing things that they're thinking up for us to do <laughs> yeah. that'll that'll amazing wacky and, situations, wacky yeah, situations yeah, yeah. that they'll put us into. Uh, so it all has great promise of being great fun, but being away from the dogs and the horses and and I got an old dog. He's fifteen. He's going to pass soon. I just want him to go without me. You know, mm-hmm. every dog. I've ever had to put down because of age. I've looked into their eyes and absorbed their soul before they were put out, put down. I've Starbuck. I've got to be there for him, mm-hmm. and I don't want him to die in the month that I'm gone. And that sort of things. So I don't want to. And mattresses, mm-hmm. mattresses. Every hotel thinks the softer the mattress, the better it is, and it hurts your back. Mm-hmm. You know, you find that I do find that. And another thing I hate, too, is hard pillows that drives. me. I like softer pillows and some hotels think it's yeah, a hard but, pillow. Well, but hard, big pillows are terrible. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't your like shoulders. It. I'll take the pillow out, Bill, and I'll put dirty clothes in it and make my own little. Oh, pillow. how interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, if I have to. So but what I can't get, I what I can't arrive at. Maybe you can help me on this with your knowledge of the body. If the pillow's too high. It hurts your neck. Mm-hmm. If it's too low, your shoulders sink in and it, your, your shoulders hurt. It's hard to find the appropriate distance for your head to be above the mattress. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you find that? I do find that. That's and a I, little known fact. Well, But I agree with you. Like I said, that's why the pillows for me is a very specific thing. I can sleep on a floor. I can sleep anywhere. But I have to have some kind of a support, but not much. So it's almost like I'm, I'm laying my head on my arm with a little cushion in between maybe you know four five six inches that helps but that, me but your, but your arm then gets lack of blood i mean it, it does and that's why you need a little bit of a mattress but once again if it's too soft and especially when you go to europe the mattresses there are so oh, soft they're pillowy yeah japan not so bad they, they, they're they pretty they're pretty pretty good mattresses i think so i'm okay. dreading hotels and yeah the whole concept of just being an Asian. Yeah. And it is a culture shock, I'll tell you. That. I've been in Japan about 50 times. Really? Yes. And the first couple times you go, you're wondering, what the hell is going on here? So, I, and I'm guaranteed they're going to put you in those situations. Yeah. Fish out of water. Oh, fish out of water. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You know, here's, like we said, here's, all these guys. Who, yeah. We're, we, yeah. <laughs> here's, here's Kirk and I wonder if we can characterize what kind of fish we are. <laughs> who, who, who's the, who's right. the barracuda and, and who's the guppy? <laughs> <laughs> and even speaking of eating fish, you know, the, the sushi there. I love that. Octopus. I mean, I eat that kinds. all the time. There's a, a fish, though. There's a, a sushi that, um, is poisonous. Yes. You know the, this one, right? The puffer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I don't understand why somebody would risk I don't a, know. a bad chef cutting into the the poison. I mean, the fish it can't be that different. It's not that great. The, the, no. I mean, I love yellowtail and mm-hmm. salmon. And Do you eat? Uh, yeah, I, I like shrimp, ebby. I like yellowtail. Well, you know, but you sound a little conditional about what kind of fish you like. Because I've eaten so many different kinds. You know, I actually like octopus. It's good. It's chewy. Uh, 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 the tentacle? Cooked. Yeah, cooked. Uh, yeah, um, well, I mean, it, um, the, su- the sushi. Yeah, but but you want it uh, with fire. You want it... Uh, cooked? Well, I don't mind I don't mind having it just, just sushi, raw. raw sushi, sushi, by mm. definition, is raw fish, right? Well, yes. Or you can have it... Uh, su- Seared? Uh, seared, seared, exactly. maybe right, yeah. right. 
So I'll, I'll eat the, the octopus raw. But this is years of... Barbecued was the word I was looking at. Okay. You can have barbecued uh, 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 octopus, which is outstanding. Have you ever had uh, uh, Korean barbecue? Yes. Yakuniku. That, that way, yeah. yeah. It's very, very good stuff. It's There's some incredible. great food there. You'll, you'll enjoy it because you're a curious guy. Yeah. But as far as... And being, I love the, the strange foods and the interesting foods. Right. How do the guys like Anthony Bourdain go from street to street and eat the street food and not get... I don't Sick. know. I, I have no idea. And not have the runs so they can't talk. Maybe they don't show those those elements there. Well, but he's it, there you know? in the city. And then what's his name who goes to all these strange places and eats entrails with the shit still in it? <laughs> I, I, how, how, do, how do they do that? I've never been interested in that part of it. The Fear Factory eat, you know, like you said, like cow, uh, whatever, cow entrails and all this other stuff. And in Japan, there are those elements there. Yeah. But there's also great beef, Kobe beef. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Too rich. Well, the thing is, here's the thing, too, though. You're eating all that stuff here. It's an American version of Japanese oh. foods. Well, that's American, uh, 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 not Kobe, but Wagyu. Wagyu, Wagyu yeah. So, but Japanese Wagyu is even richer. It's got more fat in it. Well, when you go there and see, you'll see the difference because the cows eat different food there. Oh. You know what I mean? So, you know, like if we go to Mexico City and we order an enchilada. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be authentic. We come here and order enchiladas. It's Americans' version of uh, enchiladas, uh, right? Well, except that a lot of Mexican guys are from Mexico are making the enchiladas. Yeah, are they not making? Are they making Americanized enchiladas, or are they making enchiladas like you get here Mexico or City, there? If a Mexican guy is here and he's making enchiladas, is he making an American enchilada, or is he making an enchilada? That he would have made in Mexico City. Well, let's. Well, here's another question, though, to take it even further. Let's say he has that Mexican recipe, but he's going to Ralph's to buy the ingredients. Right. Those are American versions of now the that's very interesting. Right? That is very very interesting. Of course, he would be dealing with Americanized elements, but corn is corn, uh, and yeah, yeah. You know no, what I mean? I, you're absolutely right, but. A lot of uh, uh, Japanese restaurants in uh, we're uh, you and I are talking in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and Los Angeles has a plethora of of uh, Japanese restaurants. Most of them will get their really good fish from Japan, mm-hmm. out of the that. Japanese marketplace that you must have gone to. Yes, that I will go to at some point in time <laughs> yeah. in a week. It's going to be incredible. Oh, I'm what, looking what forward a great to that. idea! And you, like I said, you're such a curious guy. You're gonna you're gonna love it. But there's I said it is a different world over there. So, yeah. you've been very generous with your time, and, and I don't want to keep you much longer. But I wanted to ask one more question. I was looking at your at, at your Twitter, follow you on Twitter. That's how we came we became friends. That's how your friends nowadays right. is you follow each right. other. Right. And I saw you had uh, you said you had a, a Leonard Nimoy with the Spock salute, and you said retweet this. You're asking different people to retweet it. What is what is the concept behind that? Well, Leonard came up with that idea. That sign. That sign. The Spock so it's, sign. It's in memory of Leonard. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was uniquely him. And, and I couldn't do it. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah, do that. I can do when it. I had to do it for a picture, they tied my, my fingers together for, <laughs> with an elect, elastic band. <laughs> so it's just kind of a, a, a memory? Yes, to, a memorial to And yeah. obviously, he just passed away recently. And yeah. I mean, that must have been, uh, must have been hard for you after was 50 very, years of it was very tough. friendship. Yeah, you know? no. He and I had a great friendship uh, that I treasured, unique uh, among people that I know. Uh, I mean, people that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have nothing like that love relationship where you you have a brother. Do you? I don't have a brother. I don't. Do you have a friend that's like a brother? I have. I have. I've had friends like a brother that have also passed away too. Really? Yeah. 
So you you know more than one guy. Was it related to wrestling? Was it related to two, your two, interest? Two of my best friends. There was four of us that came up together. Two of them have, have since passed away. What did they pass away from? They were young, they were young men. Yeah, it's pretty deep stuff. Um, one of them passed away from medical issues related to past drug abuse. Did they die of natural causes or did no. they die of the overdose? One died of overdose and one actually. Did you, did you ever hear the story of Chris Benoit? He, the, the guy who murdered his family and murdered himself and yeah, was a yeah. real yeah Montreal guy yeah he he was one of my best friends he was crazed on drugs well we still don't really know but they what they're thinking is it's concussion related symptoms possibly which they're now finding that with repeated blows to the head you can have hardening of the brain yes which I, causes I followed it severe dementia how how do you concuss it's by accident you concuss nobody yeah. means to hit you on the head, right? But multiple times, though. That's what we were finding in. The well, but I mean, you're don't you work these things out? Now you do, but in the '90s, you know, early 2000s, it was just business. Were you rushing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I had concussions, but never had multiple ones. And what would happen is guys would get concussions, and because it was probably like when you first started acting. You can't take the time off because you might be replaced by somebody else. Sure. That's since changed. But when I started and we all started together in this 90s period, you just kept moving. So you had a friend, three other friends. Mm -hmm. were, were the four of you all together or did, was it, were you, were you uh, Not individually? Not from the start, but similar to you and Leonard. You had times where you were together and worked hard that no one else could ever match. And, and, and you talked, you said things to each other that you wouldn't say to anybody else. Exactly. This is what I'm afraid of. This is what a, yeah. this is what happened to me. Don't right. say anything. When you're telling somebody that you that you love them on a you know daily basis or weekly basis, whenever you see them, like you would your wife. Yeah. And you, you mean a guy's saying I love you to each other, it's kind of awkward, you know. But not with except those when guys. you know that's right. when they and you know what you mean by saying exactly. I love you. I love you like a brother, which means uh, on this ride, there were two sets of brothers. Hmm. This is part of the drama. Two guys. Uh, who own the company uh, called American Wrench, who are 18 months apart, each other's best friend. Two guys four years apart. One was a producer and the other was working security. They were four years apart. They hadn't been together. They were looking forward to these eight days to bring them together. Mm -hmm. The guy working security, the, this, this, the circumstances were so difficult that he had to leave. Mm -hmm. They were too difficult for him physically to continue. So the one brother on camera is crying about the loss of not being able to know his brother. The other brother, when I interviewed him, crying because he had to leave because oh. he couldn't take it anymore. So loving each other like a brother, I saw firsthand. Because mm -hmm. you grow up together, you, you, you have all these mutual memories together, and there's something there that essentially, even your wife, although for my best friends were my wife, mm -hmm. that was Leonard. I, I know no one like that, and I knew no one like that. Just a guy that I could spend the afternoon with and talk about whatever. Mm -hmm. And with no uh, no hidden, no Agenda, nothing yeah. nothing else occupying yourself, but I, I'm able to relieve myself of this conversation and hear it out there and listen, somebody listening to me, almost like a priest. Mm -hmm. uh, although I don't know priests, it's what I understand confession is supposed to be like. Yeah. Except you're having confession with, with your friend. Right. Yeah. 
That's my point. Do you have one one story, a f- funny story with Leonard that makes you smile, or is, is there something stand out when you think about no, it? No, I, I really, I mean, we made each other laugh all the time. That was also part of it. Hmm. We'd work on stage together, and he'd just break. I'd just get <laughs> guttural from the laughter. Uh, not, I can't single out one thing, mm-hmm. but his life and mine were so similar in age, background, parents, children, marriage. I mean, it just went on and on inadvertently just mm-hmm. by circumstances did we have a, such a similar life so to meet somebody like that and then lose them you know and, and there were circ- interesting circumstances so he goes into the hospital because he can't breathe he's got essentially emphysema and months earlier I had committed to uh, Red Cross uh, raising of funds in Florida so he goes to the hospital and dies on a on a Friday, and I'm supposed to be in Miami raising funds, and I, I didn't know what to do, and I chose to go to where they had raised funds on my being there, a thousand tables, uh, millions of dollars for the Red Cross. And, um, and I, I sort of thought maybe somebody will notice I'm not there. Or uh, so I, just before I left, so on a Friday night when I'm in Miami, I sort of tweeted where I was, uh, not thinking there would be a firestorm. Mm-hmm. I'm told about the firestorm. I didn't <laughs> any read any of it because I didn't want to touch the ugliness that ensued because I wasn't at his funeral. The no. anathema? What? The anathema? The anathema. <laughs> um, so I was in Miami, and what I said to the people in, in, in uh, the Red Cross thing, the Thousand Table thing, I said, you know... Uh, Everybody's name, no matter how popular, turns to dust in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of all the wonderful actors uh, 10 years ago and, and people who are in 20 or 30 even now don't remember their names, mm-hmm. let alone the great politicians and the great political minds and the, and the scientists, scientific and, minds. Yeah. yeah, they're all gone, forgotten. The one thing that remains that far outlives your lifetime is your good deeds if you do something good whether it's giving a dollar or saving a life that effect is like the butterfly effect the Mm -hmm. wings of the butterfly it reverberates down through the ages because you don't know that this 10 year old is affected by what you've done to the good then when they become a 30 year old takes care of another and it goes down generational Mm mm-hmm it does go down generational. You help people, that has an effect for forever till, till mankind ceases to exist in some minute way. You do a lot of good, a lot bigger effect. So that the memorialization of Leonard Nimoy would be far exceed doing a good deed than my being uh, <laughs> uh, and saying, I, I love Leonard. Mm-hmm. I can say that here. And, and do a good deed and let that be Leonard's. The good of the many outweighs <laughs> the good of the few. I think, yeah, I think maybe that's, that's it, yeah. Bill, thank you, man. Thank you, man. Always great to hang with the legendary Bill Shatner. I don't have to call him William anymore because we're good buddies. It was so cool. I went to his office uh, in the middle of Hollywood and, and, and just hung out with him there. And it was just good, good guy. And uh, the funny thing was he, I was told that I was only going to get 30 minutes to talk with Bill. And we were there for over 70. Once he got going, 
He did not want to end the conversation, much to the chagrin of his assistant. But he's Bill Shatner. He wants to talk for 70 minutes. I'm damn well going to let him talk for 70 minutes. And it was a blast, and it was an honor and a pleasure. And I thank the uh, legendary William Shatner for, for doing this show. Uh, I'm, always looking, I'm also looking forward to seeing his latest documentary project, The Ride. He's going to let me know where and when we'll be able to see that, and I'll pass that along to you when I hear it. And all of the other projects that Bill talked about, the one with uh, Henry Winkler uh, and George Foreman, Jerry Bradshaw walking across uh, Japan or whatever it was. I mean, this guy's 84 years old, all right? You see Vince McMahon on Raw last week. He's all jacked up. He looks great. He's 70. Then you go see Mick Jagger rocking with the Stones uh, in stadiums across the world for two hours. He's 72. And those guys are spring chickens compared to William Shatner, who's 84 years old or whatever he is, still gallivanting around the world and still making projects and still being a great, great, great guy. Those are people to look up to, and uh, I thank them for all they've done. And I thank you for listening to this show, and I thanks to Amazon for being here with us, the longest-running sponsor of Talk is Jericho. Easiest way to support the show, okay? Just use the Talk is Jericho links. You can find them by going to podcastone.com. Click it on the Killer Deals button in the top right-hand corner of the page. Then you hit that Talk is Jericho button. I got the links in the USA, the UK, the Canada A. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs. You buy whatever you want. You can get the best prices. And if you use the Talk is Jericho links, it's not going to cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra challenges, just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right-hand corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All right, keep listening right now for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. Find out what's going on around the world. And if you keep listening as well on Friday, you're going to find out what goes on behind the scenes in NXT. That's right, it's the hottest wrestling company in the world today, and one of the biggest trainers is my old friend Robbie Brookside, Liverpool lad from Liverpool, England. I've known him since 1993, and what a conversation we had. William Shatner to Robbie Brookside. Who brings a guest like this, huh? Who brings a guest like this, huh? Who brings a guest like this, huh? Only me. Only me, and I'll see you next Friday. Robbie Brookside is going to be here. Thanks to William Shatner. Thanks to all you. Be safe, stay hard, stay cool, and a big yeah boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. You're listening to Love Advice with Leanne. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Leanne. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> Why, in your professional opinion, do you never take my calls off the air? Is this Carl? Yep, it's Carl. I mean, we had a few dates. Everything was great, I thought. Uh... Well, you know, when you switch to GEICO, you could save a lot of money on car insurance. Okay, awesome. You should call them. I will. GEICO, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. It's your last chance to get great holiday savings at Guitar Center. Like a Yamaha portable keyboard, only $79. Add a month of lessons for only $99. Plus the newest and hottest guitars, drums, keys, and more. Exclusive gear you can't get anywhere else. Special financing and gift cards. The perfect present for every musician. So hurry in and find your sound at Guitar Center. Lessons available at select locations only. Trump's victory. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. It's always a lot of fun when you win. 
If you work hard and lose, that's not acceptable. At the White House, President Trump welcomed Republicans from the House and the Senate who passed a bill overhauling the tax code. The president says the middle class will be seeing the effects of this bill very soon. The typical family of four earning $75,000 will see an income tax cut of more than $2,000. They're going to have $2,000, and that's in my opinion, going to be less than the average. You're going to have a lot more than that. The tax overhaul bill also includes a corporate tax cut. We have companies pouring back into our country, and that means jobs, and it means really the formation of new, young, beautiful, strong companies. Democrats have criticized the tax package as a giveaway to corporations and the rich. The tax cuts for businesses are permanent under this tax bill, but reductions for individuals and families will expire after a decade. I'm Ed Donahue. It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed, and that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.